Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Ten years ago, Bill Gates gave an interview explaining why he had chosen to focus his prodigious philanthropy on global health. Bill Moyers asked, is the basic problem that we don't have enough knowledge to solve global health issues? Isn't poverty the real issue? Bill Gates responded prophetically. The world, he said, has plenty of resources to go solve these problems. I actually get angry when people try to justify these health things in economic terms. You know, you'll read a paper that says, if malaria were cured, the GNP of this country would be 30% higher. Statistically, that's true, he continued, but it gets it so backward. And then there are some people who resort to security arguments. They say, if we don't cure these diseases, the instability in these countries will be bad, and that could be scary. Or they resort to the, it's coming to your neighborhood argument. You know, somebody could get on a plane from one of those places and you might get sick. Don't worry about these people, but you might get sick. Bill Gates concluded, if those arguments get more money for world health, then fine. I won't object, but they're wrong. The right argument is this mother's child is sick and this child's life is no less valuable than the life of anyone else. Bill Gates. This is the first principle of Unitarian Universalism on steroids. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every being. If we take our faith seriously, if we choose to step onto the spiritual path, we will make the commitment to be generous, not just with those whom we know and love, but with strangers and with those whom we will never meet. Moses Maimonides, the 12th century Jewish philosopher, detailed eight levels of charity meant to reflect our level of spiritual enlightenment. From lowest to highest, here they are. One, give unwillingly. Two, give willingly but less than you can. Three, give only after being asked. Four, give without being asked. And moving further up the scale. Five, Give to a recipient you don't know, but who knows you. Six, give to a recipient you know, but who doesn't know you. Seven, give completely anonymously, giver and receiver. 
And the highest kind of giving of all, give in a way, this is number eight, give in a way that enables self-reliance. I love these levels because they invite us to stretch the imagined limits of our generosity, to expand into a limitless field of giving and receiving. The magic of the higher levels is that there is no giver and no receiver. Each is the giver and each the receiver. I've thought a lot about Carlos Arredondo since the marathon bombing. He's the guy in the cowboy hat who um, hustled Jeff Bowman into a wheelchair and saved his life. Carlos, an immigrant from Costa Rica, had two boys, Irish twins named Alex and Brian. Nine years ago, Alex, then a 20-year-old Marine, was killed in Iraq. Overcome with grief at the loss of his son, Carlos attempted suicide. He was rescued from his despair and carried on and became a powerful voice against the war, a voice for peace. But then, just before Christmas in 2011, Brian, having never recovered from his brother's death, took his own life. Instead of giving in to despair once again, Carlos became a symbol of hope. On Marathon Monday, he and his wife, Melita, were in the VIP stands waiting for the National Guard runners representing Run for the Fallen Marine. So one of those guys had dedicated his race to Alex Arredondo. And they were also there to support the suicide awareness group, Samaritans. As the explosions ripped through the finish line and most people ran for their lives, Carlos Arredondo vaulted a fence to get to the wounded, racing to get 27-year-old Jeff Bowman to help. He said, I kept talking to him. I kept saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Giving is a miracle that can transform the heaviest of hearts. In his book, Simple Truths, sculptor and author Kent Nurburn writes, two people who moments before lived in separate words of private concern, separate worlds, suddenly meet. The world expands, a moment of goodness is created, and something new comes into being where before there was nothing. But true giving is not an economic exchange. It is a generative act. It does not subtract from what we have. It multiplies the effect that we can have in the world. What is the calculus of generosity when we're counting lives and deaths? Two sons were lost. And their father was almost lost, but wasn't. And then he lived to save another young man. 
We can't do that math. It's beyond computation, the power of generosity. The Buddha taught that if we're serious about our spiritual lives, generosity is the first door we need to walk through. Jerry Larkin, author of Stumbling Toward Enlightenment, writes, without generosity, enlightenment is flat out impossible. We're too self-centered. Unless our relationships are bathed in generosity, they don't have a chance. Generosity demonstrates our regard for each other, whatever we're going through together. And it fuels the little extras, the surprise moments that keep us fresh and interesting. I want to thank my wife, Kim, for sharing this fabulous piece by Justin Horner, who is a 28-year-old graphic designer living in Oregon. During this past year, he writes, I've had three instances of car trouble, a blowout on a freeway, a bunch of blown fuses, and running out of gas. They all happened while I was driving other people's cars, which for some reason made it worse on an emotional level. And on a practical level as well, since I carry things like a jack and extra fuses in my own car and know enough not to park on a steep incline with less than a gallon of fuel. Each time when these things happened, I was disgusted with the way people didn't bother to help. I was stuck on the side of the freeway, hoping my friend's roadside service would show, just watching tow trucks cruise past me. The people at the gas stations where I asked for a gas can told me they couldn't lend them out for safety reasons, but that I could buy a really crappy one-gallon can with no cap for $15. It was enough to make me say stuff like, this country is going to hell in a handbasket, which I actually said. But you know who came to my rescue all three times, he continues? Immigrants. Mexican immigrants. None of them spoke any English. One of those guys stopped to help me with the blowout, even though he had his whole family of four in tow. I was on the side of the road for close to three hours with my friend's big Jeep. I put signs in the windows, big signs that said, need a jack, and offered money. Nothing. Right as I was about to give up and start hitching, a van pulled over, and the guy bounded out. He sized up the situation and called for his daughter, who spoke English. He conveyed through her that he had a jack, but that it was too small for the Jeep, so we'd need to brace it. Then he got a saw from the van and cut a section out of a big log on the side of the road. We rolled it over, put his jack on top, and we were in business. I started taking off the wheel, and then, if you can believe it, I broke his tire iron. It was one of those collapsible ones, and I wasn't careful, and I snapped the head clean off. No worries. He ran to the van and handed it to his wife, and she was gone in a flash down the road to buy a new tire iron. She was back in 15 minutes. We finished the job with a little cussing. The log started to give, and then I was a very happy man. The two of us were filthy and sweaty. His wife produced a large water jug for us to wash our hands. I tried to put a 20 into the man's hand, but he wouldn't take it. So instead, I went up to the van and gave it to his wife as quietly as I could. 
I thanked them up one side and down the other. I asked the little girl where they lived, thinking maybe I'd send them a gift for being so awesome. She said they live in Mexico. They were in Oregon for the next few weeks so mommy and daddy could pick cherries. Then they were going to pick peaches, and then they were going back home. After I said my goodbyes and started walking back to the Jeep, the girl called out and asked if I'd had any lunch. When I told her no, she ran up and handed me a tamale. This family, undoubtedly poorer than just about everyone on that stretch of highway, working on a seasonal basis where time is money, took a couple of hours out of their day to help a strange guy on the side of the road while people in tow trucks were just passing him by. But they weren't done yet. I thanked them again and walked back to my car and opened the foil on the tamale. I was starving by this point. And what did I find inside? My $20 bill. I whirled around and ran back to the van and the guy rolled down his window. He saw the $20 in my hand and just started shaking his head no. All I could think to say was, por favor, por favor, with my hands out. And the guy just smiled and with what looked like great concentration said in English, today, you, tomorrow, me. Then he rolled up his window and drove away, and his daughter waved to me from the back. I sat in my car eating the best tamale I've ever had, and I just started to cry. This was so out of left field, I just couldn't handle it. Justin Horner concludes, in the several months since then, I've changed a couple of tires, given a few rides to gas stations and once drove 50 miles out of my way to get a girl to an airport. I won't accept money, but every time I'm able to help, I feel as if I'm putting something in the bank. Beloved spiritual companions, generosity is a miracle that can transform the heaviest of hearts it does not subtract from what we have. It multiplies the effect we can have in the world. If we choose to step onto the spiritual path, if we take our faith seriously, we will make the commitment to be generous, not just with those we know and love, but with strangers and those whom we will never meet. May we give willingly in a way that enables self-reliance. May we stretch the imagined limits of our generosity to expand to a limitless field of giving and receiving. At this time of covenant renewal, let's put something in the bank. I wish for you, for every one of us, a tire iron and a tamale.